Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. Well, our text this morning comes from 2 Chronicles. And um, it is a famous passage, one that we've heard many times. And I'd like to actually unpack this a little bit that it might give us hope and encouragement for our nation. Through the word of God as it comes to us from the chronicler. So Solomon finished the temple of the Lord as well as the royal palace. He completed everything he had planned to do in the construction of the temple and the palace. Then one night the Lord appeared to Solomon and said, I've heard your prayer and chosen this temple as a place for making sacrifices. At times, I might shut up the heavens so that, so that no rain falls, or command grasshoppers to devour your crops, or send plagues among you. Then if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. My eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. For I have chosen this temple and set it apart to be holy, a place where my name will be honored forever. I will always watch over it, for it is dear to my heart. As for you, if you faithfully follow me as David your father did, obeying all my commands, decrees, and regulations, then I will establish the throne of your dynasty. For I made this covenant with your father David when I said, one of your descendants will always rule over Israel. God had this, his understanding to this hearing of his word. Before I go into the sermon itself, I'd like you to know that our dear brother, Peter Gilbody, is on his way up to Connecticut. I could not prevail upon him to sing for us one more time. He said, my voice, my voice. I said, Peter, it's not about you. <laughs> but, but he is moving up to Connecticut to be with his daughter and that family and perhaps at a later time out to San Diego with his son. But he and his ministry has blessed us here for, for the better part of a decade. And so we are deeply grateful for him. And I'm also very grateful for our compassion and care team that made his move possible because of his, his handicap and affliction. And that's Ken and Corrine Brandle and Skip Forsyth and, and uh, Bill and me. I, I watched Bill wrap furniture. He knows more about wrapping furniture than he does about preaching. It's an amazing thing. <laughs> but also Jamie Jordan and her son Johnny, and, and uh, it was it's just a... Uh, it, it's an occasion for us to be the church when somebody else needs us. And I want you to know that if you need us, not just me as a pastor, but any of us as a caring body of people, we're here for you. That's what church is. We, if we can't be here for one another, what on earth are we doing here? And so um, I was just wanting you to know that our dear brother has... Um, 
has decided to go ahead and move on, and, and he will stay in our prayers, and I assume every now and then he may well just stream in to see us on a, on a regular basis. So Solomon got to build the temple because his dad didn't get to do it. Dad, David. David was refused by God to build this temple because God said he had too much blood on his hands. He was too much of a man of war. And so that privilege was afforded then subsequently to Solomon, his son. But David had the great distinction of bringing the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. As you'll remember, when, when the Ark was given in Mount Sinai and they was, were making their way into the Promised Land, the Ark resided in the tabernacle or a tent. And when they actually came into the Promised Land, it stayed in a tent. But they would pull it out in order to go to war with someone. So the Ark went out in front of them when they fought battles. And wouldn't you know, the Philistines captured the ark. They put it in one of their temples, and, and uh, what they found out was that overnight, their god, Dagon, which sounds like a bug spray or something like that, their, their god fell down in the presence of the ark. So they didn't want that ark anymore. So they got it out of Dodge. And, um, and at a subsequent time, then David wanted to bring the ark back into Jerusalem. So he went and he secured the ark and we know the story of David dancing before the ark as it came into Jerusalem. But there it was once again in a tent and David wanted to build a temple for the ark because they believed that God resided in the ark itself. That God was there. Of course we've come to a much larger understanding about the presence of God, but, but that was their thinking, and they wanted to honor the presence of God by building a temple. Well, finally, Solomon took up the charge, and I want to just detail a little bit of what he did. He arranged for massive hand-hewn stones for the ark, um, huge amounts of timber from Lebanon, that were brought down, cedar, both cedar and fir. 370 tons of gold and silver. And it was the most resplendent, costly building in the entire world at that time. So it was this huge accomplishment. And so here's Solomon, the son of David, having built this magnificent facility and then he decides that he's going to do the dedication. And so people from all over the place come down. And they do it at the time of the Feast of Tabernacles, which was a really fun time anyway. They all loved to come down, and they'd, they'd, they would all set up tents. And, but it was like church camp, except more fun. <laughs> and um, they came down, and, and there were thousands upon thousands of people for this dedication. And in the new temple, they sacrificed 20,000 oxen, 120,000 sheep. And there was all kinds of celebration. The, you know, the high school band from Capernaum came down, and the, uh, the Shriners were there on little mini horses. And, and it was just a, a huge celebration that they all had together. 
So the ark was, was in the temple, located in the Holy of Holies, and that Holy of Holy place would be approached only once a year by the high priest, and it was done. Magnificent celebration. Thousands upon thousands of people with celebrating this, which was the most resplendent building on the planet. And then God comes to, to Solomon when Solomon's alone at night and says, don't be so proud of yourself. As big a deal as this is, it's not that big a deal. He warns him about being proud. Having accomplished this, which was such a massive, huge accomplishment in the ancient world and especially for the people of God. C.S. Lewis warns, he says, there is one vice of which no man in the world is free, which everyone in the world loathes when he sees it in someone else and of which hardly any people except Christians ever imagine that they are guilty themselves. There is no fault which makes a man more unpopular and no fault which we are more unconscious of in ourselves. And the more we have it in ourselves, the more we dislike it in others. According to Christian teachers, the essential vice, the utmost evil is pride. Unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, all that are mere flea bites by comparison. It was through pride that the devil became the devil. Pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. Pride. And yet it afflicts all of us. And upon this occasion, when it was certainly afflicting Solomon, the Lord comes and reminds him of what is most important, and that is humility. That you humble yourself. That you remember always who is God and who is not that you recognize the magnificent gifts of those who actually built that temple. Do you even know the man who hewn those stones? Do you know the names of any of the carpenters? Do you know the metal workers? Do you know those who hammered the gold into place? Craftsmen of utmost skill. Do you know who they are? The Apostle Paul tells us to count others better than ourselves. And we do that when we acknowledge and recognize the magnificent giftedness of those who are around us. And we are always humbled when we acknowledge and see the, the gifts that God has lavished upon our brothers and sisters. And so that is the word that, that comes to, to Solomon. That is the word that he expresses, not just to him, but he says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. 
my people who are called. So the question is, who are the people who are called? The real question is, who isn't called? God built this temple, not for the sake of the Jews alone, but so that all nations might come. Solomon got that right. He invited surrounding royalty to come to the temple during the dedication. But the call goes out to all flesh. All are called. And C.S. Lewis, he reminds us that we're saved by grace and damned by choice. <laughs> when we simply respond to the call of God to us, we enter into the glories of what he has prepared for us. But when we are too prideful, when we can't give God the full credit for everything, and we are resisting that call. And we will not subject ourselves to that call. And so the call goes out. And with that call comes the charge that we humble ourselves and pray and seek the face of God. And when we do this, we also have to leave our wicked ways. We have to turn from all that bad stuff. When we do this, God promises, I will heal their land. I will heal, the, heal their land. I don't put much trust in politicians. I honor and respect them. But do I think some Political changes in Washington are going to heal our land. What I believe is that when God takes the hold of, of a human heart and transforms it according to his will, healing can happen. But it happens one person at a time. Healing is not systemic. Healing doesn't happen culturally unless the people are transformed. You'll notice Jesus, when he did his ministry, he didn't go into town and just wave his arms and say, okay, everyone's healed. Everyone's all better now. No colds, no sniffles, no leprosy, no blindness, no deafness. One person at a time. The Lord our God heals one person at a time. You know, before our service, our dear brother Jack Timon asked me about why we have Byron Donalds on the list. Byron, of course, came down with COVID. He's young and strong and magnificent, beautiful family. And they're heading off to, to D.C. He'll be the congressman representing our county. Why is he on the, the list? Because he needs our prayers. That's why Rick Scott's on our list. He needs our prayers. He's a member of our church. Rick and Ann need our prayers, and Byron and Erica and the boys need our prayers. Because those two men are men 
who have hearts that have been transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And knowing them, I know that they humble themselves and pray. So just maybe their presence in Washington can have that sort of effect around that those around them might be impacted by the humility and love that emanates through both of them. That's all we can ask. That is that God would do his healing work one person at a time. That our land might know the, the healing and the wholeness that we all long for. We all are fatigued of the political wrangling and all the fighting. We're all bothered by the fact that some people we can't even talk to anymore. It's tiresome. And on top of that, we got this COVID thing. With this COVID thing, it's beginning to feel like not a matter of whether or when. It's almost like, you know, when, when am I going to get it? And, and so we have a context of great fear as well. We live by faith, not by fear. We have to trust our God. He says in this passage that he may send the locusts to eat the food. He may send a pestilence. He may withhold rain. We have to trust him. We have to humble ourselves and pray. I find prayer difficult. I had a dear pastor friend of mine who visited me when I was in my church in California. And he came and he told me how every single morning he was praying for a minimum of two hours. I felt so inadequate in his presence. And the reality is that that morning, I don't know if I prayed at all. I just kind of went through my morning routine which wasn't including prayer. And, and I was reminded of the need that I have, not just because I'm a pastor, but because I belong to the Lord, the need that I have to, to pray. Now, if, you're, if you have ADD like me, and you have a hard time thinking uh, a thought more than 30 seconds or so till the mind starts to wander someplace else. I found great comfort in the teaching of Martin Luther who said that prayer should be brief, intense, and frequent. So that's what I do. I do my little biff prayer, brief, intense, and frequent. And I do those a lot. I can't get from here to my house without a number of those prayers. I can't hear about something going on in your lives without having one of those prayers pop into my consciousness. And as I do, I'm always apologizing to God for what a lousy prayer I am. But at least in my own Christian life, in my own walk with Christ, I know that I have to do it. I'm supposed to do it. 
It's all part of my being humble before the Lord and acknowledging that he is God and I am not. He is Lord and it is our Lord who is in control of all circumstances in life. It's our Lord to whom we look. It's in him we put our trust. So the question I ask, why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we? Just humble ourselves, pray, seek the Lord's face, try not to do wicked stuff, try not to be a bad person, and trust our God to heal our land through, through us. I was out here one Sunday morning, and a guy in a convertible Ferrari started to roam by. And because someone was stopping uh, while turning here, and of course I was out here on the, on the curb, I was able to kind of go up to him. And I said, aren't you grateful to God? You can have that car. He said, I bought this car. God never did anything for me. Vroom. He went. He's probably 74, 75. And I thought, and I prayed for him as he left. God has called him. The voice of the Lord has gone out to him. And not knowing, why just being kind of goofy that morning, not knowing maybe the Lord used me at such a time as that. But the question that I had as he drove off in that car, why wouldn't he be grateful? Why wouldn't we be grateful for all that the Lord has given to us? The healing of our land will happen through you and me. As we humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways, he will heal us, heal our land. Will you bow with me? And so, Father, we, we turn to you we seek your face. We acknowledge, O oh Lord, that you loved us before the dawn of time. You implanted us in our mother's wombs and gave us breath. That we have you and you alone to thank and to give glory for all that we are and all that we have. And may we thereby be a humble people through whom you bring healing and hope in all times and all places. We ask this in the name of the Savior, our Lord Jesus. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. 
For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.